Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to a Friday. Yay! The 17th of uh, August. Um, I just have to, I don't know if I have to apologize. I don't even know if I did it. I just want to say that when I left the show yesterday, I noticed that my, um, this, not that finger, that finger was bleeding at the cuticle. This gets very personal. And, and then I had this like moment of like, oh my God, that had to have happened during the show. And then I vaguely tried to remember Maybe this wasn't yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. I think when, when, um, uh, why am I going to call him Jared again? Lita, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, Lita. When our reporter was on talking about the rent issues in Pittsburgh. And I do, then I had this vague memory of while he was talking of fiddling with this like hangnail and I was like pulling on it and stuff and this and that and then I remember I like actually pulled it out quite a bit and then I mean when I go to work on something like that I am just like it doesn't mean I wasn't listening but I was also clearly doing that now what I want to know is it looked like it was ripped off now sometimes when I do that I do it with my teeth right I am so far gone in terms of being totally relaxed in front of <laughs> a microphone and a camera with you guys. I mean, I've been doing it for almost 50 years, okay? So the constraints that most people feel about, you know, okay, I'm not going to pick my nose now, I'm not going to, but I know during the course of that show, I know more than once I reached in here and pulled my bra strap up. I mean, I know I do that stuff. Now, what I want to say is, having left with this bleeding finger, I thought, oh, geez, you didn't like, while you were on the air, were you like, you know, I don't know. If I was, I, I apologize for my just total lack of uh, manners. Um, I feel, I mean, what you get when you get me is, is absolute, pretty much unadulterated uh, Cullen. I, it just is. Um, and because I feel so comfortable uh, talking uh, with you, um, I, 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 because I, you, I can't see you, <laughs> I sometimes get the feeling that I'm, you know, by myself or something. And you know when you're by yourself, you do things that you wouldn't do if you knew people were watching. But I have now forgotten people are watching. Susan once emailed me during a show and said something like, stop picking at your leg or whatever that is you're doing. So I want this to stand as a blanket apology for all of my gauche behavior. I know I'm going to continue to go for my bra strap because I, you know, I lost weight and I, and I don't think my bras fit, I, I, and, and nothing fits anymore. So I, okay, you don't need to know any of that. Anyway, so I don't, th is that so awful to do that? I mean, I don't know, yeah, hello, I'm talking to you and this and that. I mean, everyone knows that, you know, people adjust, well, I don't know. See, you're not supposed to adjust your underwear in public. But I've always been a little lax about that kind of thing. It is true. And um, for those of you who find it unseemly, I cannot promise that I will not do these things in the future. It's just that um, I don't even know I'm doing them, okay? That's all I, I had to say, and I don't know. And this, this finger is sore today. It, you know how that happens? You rip something out of your body and, you know, you pay for it later. But anyway, okay. And what did you talk about on your show today, Lynn? Oh, adjusting my bra strap and 
ripping cuticles out with my teeth while I'm on the air and having no memory of having done it. That's what I talked about. Okay, but that's it. I'm sorry. I just had to get that <laughs> off my chest. I uh, could use, I would like at some point, it doesn't mean now, I would like at some point some feedback from some of you as to whether or not you're feeling like I'm not talking about the things you want me to talk about or you want to talk about. Uh, since I've said I'm not letting you know who uh, define the news day for me. I'll, I'll let all the others, the newspapers, CNN, MB, MB, NS, MBC, whatever, I'll let, let them do it. I just can't uh, do it anymore. So I, when in the past I would have, of course, been talking a lot about Amar Rosa, John Brennan, uh, the latest stuff, I don't want to. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to deal with these issues, okay? As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about John Brennan right now. Um, I'm just going to do it when I want to do it. I'm not doing it when that orange orangutan in the, in the White House, you know, tweets something and decides that, okay, then that's what everybody who considers themselves a journalist or a talk show host has to talk about today. Yeah, really? Uh-uh. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm fearful that what I'm about to literally read to you is something you've already read, but for those of you who didn't, it's just a, it's a, it's a little tight, I don't think it's the whole thing. If it is the whole thing, it's wonderful. Um, the president, I understand, is now uh, suggesting that he is going to be revoking uh, the security clearances of uh, a number of other people who he holds responsible for the uh, rigged witch hunt um, against him. And, uh, you know, I just want to say uh, that I found that the immediate uh, response of uh, Admiral William McRaven, a guy I never heard of, is just wonderful. So stop and think. You know military people. Hello. You know military people absolutely adhere to a chain of command. They understand it and they respect it. And if you're military in the United States of America, who's at the top of that chain? The President of the United States is the Commander-in-Chief, constitutionally, of our military. So imagine what it takes for a retired Navy Admiral, the Commander, former Commander of the U.S. Joint Special Operations Command, the guy who oversaw the Navy SEAL raid that killed Osama bin Laden, okay? That guy. Imagine him writing this to the Commander-in-Chief. Dear Mr. President, Former CIA Director John Brennan, whose security clearance you revoked on Wednesday, is one of the finest public servants I have ever known. Few Americans have done more to protect this country than John. He is a man of unparalleled integrity, whose honesty and character have never been in question, except by those who don't know him. Therefore, I would consider it an honor if you would revoke my security clearance as well. So I can add my name to the list of men and women who have spoken up against your presidency. Like most Americans, I had hoped that when you became president, you would rise to the occasion 
and become the leader this great nation needs. A good leader tries to embody the best qualities of his or her organization. A good leader sets an example for others to follow. A good leader always puts the welfare of others before himself or herself. Your leadership, though, has shown little of these qualities. Through your actions, you have embarrassed us in the eyes of our children, humiliated us on the world stage, and worst of all, divided us as a nation. If you think for a moment that your McCarthy-era tactics will suppress the voices of criticism, you are sadly mistaken. The criticism will continue until you become the leader we prayed you would be. Now, I just think that is so beautifully said by a man who is not one to question his superiors because he is lifelong military. And has an exemplary career in the military. And you can imagine that Admiral William McRaven is hardly alone at the top of the military hierarchy in his feelings about this commander-in-chief. And I remember at one point early in this tragic Trump presidency that somebody somewhere suggested, you know what, it might come to the fact that the military is going to have to save us. And maybe this, Admiral McRaven, is a first little salvo across the bow of the ship of state. Because I think this is a great indicator that those of us who sometimes feel so helpless are not alone and that on our side we have some of the greatest Americans there are. Right? So, I tip my hat to Admiral McRaven. I truly do. I was so heartened to read what he wrote. I've got other good news, too. Did you see what NYU did yesterday? I mean, just unbelievable. I feel for anyone who's in medical school someplace else. NYU, New York University, announced yesterday that its medical school was going to be tuition-free. Wah, 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 pick my chin up off the floor. NYU said it would cover tuition for all of its medical students regardless of their financial situations. They don't even want to know if you come from money, if you got nothing. It doesn't matter just to make it easy. There's no tuition, okay? And the reason they say and is because they are concerned that a lot of their students are choosing what special specialty to go into 
based purely on how much money the specialty makes. So they will be able to pay off the hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt that they have accrued in becoming a doctor. And NYU's medical school said what's bad about this is we're seeing people get into all of these, you know, uh, you know, stuff that pays a lot of money, but not a lot of people going into the more important, frankly, uh, specialties that have the most demand, such as pediatricians. Because on the, on the scale of what docs get paid, pediatricians are down here. GPs, general practitioners, they're down here. So they want, for those students, those people who are becoming doctors because they really want to be a good old doctor, to allow them to have that choice by not being so saddled by debt that their debt determines their career. And this we see happening. It doesn't just happen in medical school, right? It happens in with somebody getting a BA or a BS or whatever, that they choose their majors based on what might be most monetizable, right? Not for their passion for the subject, not for their love or interest in what they could do with this education they're paying for, but rather so that they can pay back the lenders. We have messed up the lives of an awful lot of people with our unwillingness to deal with the American way of education. It's despicable, sort of like the American way of health care. It's despicable. NYU, God bless them. NYU raised more than $450 million so they could pull this off. They still need $150 million more, uh, they think, to, to create uh, enough money to fund this free tuition in perpetuity. A hundred mil came from the founder of Home Depot. And get this, they aren't just doing this, but they told the students that are there now they will refund to them any tuition payments they have already made. So, I mean, imagine you're in your third year of medical school and you're the, they just tell you you'll be getting a check from us. And they will return loans students may have taken out. The average amount of debt that um, NYU medical school students had um, as of, I guess this is last year, was $184,000. If you want to pay that back, you ain't going to become a GP and you ain't going to become a pediatrician. You're going to go into neurosurgery. You're going to go into orthopedic surgery. So, and I mean the disparities are, are, are amazing. Uh, let's see. If you take like pediatrics and the three other lowest paying specialties and average them out, those, those guys, those doctors make about $222,000 a year. Now, I know that's a lot of money. But if they're doing the neurosurgery route or the cardiac surgery route, they're making three times as much. Okay? The biggest compensation places are neurosurgery, thoracic surgery, 
orthopedic surgery, vascular surgery, and plastic surgery. It's all that. And you want to make a ton of money, that's where you go. It might not mean that's what you want to do, but you got those bills. The bottom five, to me, are just so damn important. They all have to do with children, and they have to do with preventive medicine. So preventive medicine is, is uh, obviously, I think, the most important specialty there would be. Let's keep people well. So, you know, let's be proactive. Preventive medicine specialists don't make much. Pediatricians don't. Pediatric endocrinologists make even less than pediatricians. Pediatric hematology and cancer specialists, pediatric cancer specialists, make lower than even pediatricians. And pediatric infectious disease specialists are the lowest paid. They don't even make 200000 on average. What does this say about... Uh, I'm asking. I'm just asking. What what thing you just heard there? What does that say about um, how we value um, our children? <laughs> if anyone whose desire and passion is to treat children, and you know what else I want to point out, or did it? I can't be the only one this occurred to. Who goes into pediatrics? Mm? Overwhelmingly. Women. Yeah? Why is it that wherever women end up, those are the lowest paid? And maybe that has to do with it more than anything else. I have no idea. But anyway, that is such good news. And gosh, I hope that puts incredible pressure on all the other medical schools on UPMC-ish schools, the University of Pittsburgh. I hope it, I hope what NYU has done. When you see the huge endowments that these universities often had, this is doable. If they choose. So I cannot say hats off enough to NYU. Little Tony, I'm, I'm on to you. I know it. Little Tony says, I got other answers. More good news. More good news. I couldn't, I, I was, I just practically jumped into the air when I heard, when I heard that. The uh, Trump's 90 million dollar uh, uh, USA military parade is off, at least, or postponed. At any rate, <coughs> it was supposed to happen this fall. And it's the military that has said, I don't think we can do that at the moment. Uh, let's see. Let me get this exactly right. Uh, the Pentagon, by the way, remember the, uh, the joint training exercises that, that Trump uh, said, we're calling those off, the joint exercises with South Korea. They are so expensive. It's ridiculous. We don't need to do it. And anyway, my friend, the North Korean murderous dictator, does not like us doing it. So we're not going to do that. Do you know, and he made a big to-do about it, saving money. His friggin' parade already is estimated to cost four times what the joint exercise with South Korea would have cost. And you ask any member of the military, what do you think would be a better use of our budget, and God knows we got a big one, what would be a better use of the money to have a joint readiness exercise with the South Koreans or to have 
essentially four huge parades showing how tough we are. So the Pentagon spokesman uh, said that the parade, uh, uh, well, here's what they said. The Department of Defense and the White House have been planning a parade to honor America's military veterans. Oh, yeah, right. That's not what it's about. It's to get the president's rocks off. That's all it's about. Excuse me. I've been planning a parade to honor America's military veterans and commemorate the centennial of World War I. We have now agreed, though, to explore opportunities in 2019. Um, the parade was supposed to be on November 10th. It ain't happening. And I would only hope that it never does. We have never been a country that engages in this kind of fall de -rawl. And it's absurd, the cost of it. This had been a Trump priority. The planning has already cost a ton of money and taken people away from, I'm sure, much more important stuff. They've been planning this since earlier uh, in the year. Uh, originally, they'd said it was going to cost, what, 20 mil? It's now, they think, up to 93 uh, or 4 mil, and obviously will top off well over 100 mil by the time it's done and secured and blah, blah, blah. A shout out to the American Legion, a veterans organization that this supposedly is, is, is to honor. Uh, the American Legion uh, said uh, that while it appreciates what Trump wanted to, uh, to show support for U.S. troops, other priorities should uh, win out. So if the vets themselves and the biggest veteran organization says that, uh, we don't need no stinking parade, huh? That's good news, too. Uh, can you take any more good news? I have a caller. Well, let's see. Maybe this is bad news. Hello. Caller. Hey. Hi, Lynn. Hi. I've got a better idea. Let's pull out the troops out of one of our seven wars we got going and take care of the ones that have been injured already. And take care of them. I'll drink to that. have some money for a parade. I mean, this occupation and all around the world is unreal, and the money we're spending, it's going to come. It's going to come to head one of these days. I mean, you get up to seven hundred and what is it, billion dollars or something, almost a trillion dollars. Something ain't right, and it, it seems like doesn't matter what president gets in there, they don't question what we're spending the money on. And nobody questions because they're so afraid to look weak. It, even the Democrats. That's like if Hillary would be in there, we could be in a war with her even. It's just both sides are, they don't question one thing, but we don't question other things like Social Security, Medicare, and stuff that actually has money coming in to pay for it, but something like that where it's part of the budget, they don't even consider that part of the budget. It's all, that's just a, give them a blank check. I just think it's ridiculous, and I think we're wasting money. I know we need defense and that, and they should call it the, uh, what do they call it, defense budget? They should call it the war budget, because that's what we're in, wars, constant wars. So just call it, take it back to what it used to be called, the war budget. You're not defending, you're, you're fighting wars, so that's if you, my opinion. Thank you. If you were defending our country yeah. right now, you'd be taking the money for the parade and putting it into securing our uh, voting system. Yeah, yeah, that would that be too. one way. Yeah, there, so the, and as you say, there's, money. as you say, there are we have so many because we've been in so many of these wars all over the place uh, in the last decades. Uh, we have tons of uh, veterans, and we have tons of not only wounded veterans but severely 
uh, psychologically battered veterans who need a lot of care. And all of this kind of money should be going to ensuring that none of them are homeless, because a lot of them are, 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 are you know, it, it just drives me crazy that if people say they care so much about veterans, it's one thing to say thank you for your service or throw them a parade, but there are basic things, quality health care, housing, stuff like that, employment right. training. Yeah, exactly. That's the way you say yeah, thank you. Trump will never say it, but they had to come out and apologize to all the people that lost their sons and daughters, husbands and wives in the past wars that were needless. And we promise we're going to make sure the next time we get involved in something, it's not a needless war. It's going to be something we really have to defend. We're going to use that, that power, you know, in the right way. I hear Everybody you. Everybody says that. They just act like, well, that's part of it. We'll just keep on doing it. And that's the problem. Okay. I thank you I for the call. I agree with you. Oh, thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, yeah. The other, uh, I thought, good news I saw is something happening at Google. Um, you may recall that... Um, the people who work there, you know, the the techie guys that that work there, um, about four months ago, made their voices heard uh, because they were really upset when they heard, I guess, in uh, the news that Google uh, was had a contract with the Pentagon to improve certain weapons, probably drone stuff, right? And uh, the employees said that they didn't want to do the kind of work, they didn't want their work to go into making weapons. That's not what they wanted to do. And somehow, uh, within just a month, Google listened to them and said it would uh, not renew that contract with the Pentagon. But something is happening at Google that isn't happening at a lot of other places, and I love it, and that is there's this internal activism by employees, and they're at it again because now there is an internal letter circulating among uh, Google's uh, international communication systems, and this letter has already been signed by 1,400 and growing Google employees. And this has to do with the fact that Google is apparently showing a willingness to create new software, or I guess it's to work on a, yeah, this be soft, on a, on a, a search app specifically made for China. And that search app, of course, specifically made for China, would incorporate all of the firewalls that the autocratic government in Beijing does not want its citizens being able to access. So Google apparently, has been working on this thing. It's called, it's got a name, it's called Dragonfly. And it has been developed largely in secret, and what happened is the secret got out, the employees found out, and they said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're going to, you're going to pick our brains to put this thing together that keeps 
billions of people in China from accessing information that anyone else on a Google search would be able to find. So you're kowtowing to the Chinese government on this and being part party to that kind of censorship. And the, um, the letter that these employees are signing uh, says, currently we do not have the information required to make ethically informed decisions about our work, our projects, and our employment. So there are people at Google who are saying, hey, you got to tell us what it is we're cooking up here, who it's for, why we're doing it, and we're going to decide whether we can sleep at night taking part in it. Now, I got to say, that warms my heart. And my guess is these are 20, 30-somethings, mostly, younger people who, who, see an, who see a moral question, an ethical question, that they feel needs to be answered before they are willing to use their sizable brains to create a product that would make Google even richer because obviously China is sort of the biggest market in the world. Now, as I said earlier, Google did say that they would not renew their um, this Pentagon contract. And after it decided it wouldn't do that, it also, with pressure from employees, it unveiled a series of ethical principles governing its use of artificial intelligence. And in those principles, Google publicly committed to using artificial intelligence only in socially beneficial ways, ways that would not cause harm or, uh, or would help uh, deprive people of human rights. And this is why then some of these Google employees say, hey, what? wait a minute, how can you be helping creating this dragonfly and helping China suppress the free flow of, of information because that would violate these supposed new principles that you came up with just a few months ago. So Google has had an interesting history in China. It was in China but pulled out of China for ethical reasons as well in 2010 when it discovered that uh, hackers, Chinese hackers, had uh, attacked Google's corporate infrastructure. Uh, also, the government censorship that they were uh, finding, uh, trying to do business there, and they decided, goodbye, we aren't doing business with you Chinese guys anymore. We can't, we, we aren't working here. It's not the kind of environment we like. So they left. Google pulled out of a huge, you know, others have had no problem playing with the Chinese government. It'd be, a ni it'd be nice to see a list, actually. It would involve probably most corporations. No problem. Ethical? What? Somebody said, what? Ethical? Where does ethical come into business? Huh? So, Google was always trying to set itself apart. I mean, its company uh, motto is, don't be evil. Which is wonderful for a company 
that is at the, you know, the cutting edge of artificial intelligence, which can certainly be used for good and certainly be used for evil. Don't be evil. And even though Google pulled out, it still has a presence in um, in in China, and in fact uh, has a uh, a research center there that is working in artificial intelligence. And Google does employ some 700 people in China, so it's not totally out. It's just they've. And now this effort to get back in is being met with an uprising of sorts from their own employees. And, you know, Sergey Brin, an interesting fellow, uh, when he pulled the company, his company out uh, in 2010, said that it was doing so because it objected to China's uh, totalitarian policies um, regarding censorship and political speech. And uh, the New York Times, in reporting this story, says, uh, if anything, uh, censorship and, uh, and control of political speech has only tightened in recent years since Bryn said that in 2010. So um, imagine a company as big as Google, you know, dropping, because they haven't done it yet, but dropping this huge, huge contract with the Chinese government to make them their own special Google search engine. I don't see how it happens if they stay true to their principles. But it's interesting and I appreciate the activism of the employees there. That is truly impressive in a corporate setting. Really impressive. There's a lot of good things happening. People showing us the way. Google employees, NYU administrators, there's a lot of good stuff. This is not one of them. This is just some little thing that I saw on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today. And it made me sigh. I'm trying not to sigh as much as I was before. Ugh. And this one, and and as is often the case, it's some silly little thing. It has to do with a garment that now is all the rage with some women. And you can't get too far into the story before, of course, you bump into the name Kardashian. This is something the Kardashians have um, helped put into the market by the, their raving about it. And it just blows my mind that people, women, would willingly do this again. It's essentially the 2018 version of the corset. And a corset is an instrument of torture. Let us just say that. A corset is an instrument of torture. So much so that, it went, that when any respectable woman wore, had to wear one, she could barely breathe. Her, she was in pain. Her internal organs were being shoved together, constricted. Why did in the Victorian era houses and places have fainting couches? Well, because women were passing out left and right because of their underwear. But see, that underwear gave them a waist that was like so tiny. And then it made their bosom 
and their behinds look even more extraordinarily rounded. This is torture for men's pleasure. Because a corseted woman's body is like a cartoon image of a female body. It's not real. And there's a whole article. There are these now, the corsets are called, they got different names, but they're called waist trainers. As if you can, by simply putting this garment on, which, by the way, is almost impossible to get on because, like corsets, you, you almost need a second person to, like, wrestle you into this absurd thing. And, um,. They start with a, you know, a story. And, and the women doing it, they start with a story of a 20-year-old. Now, here's my guess. A 20-year-old does not need a corset. A 20-year-old does not need... A 20-year-old probably still has her own waist. And I, come on, she's got a beautiful body. But women in our culture are always told to find their bodies wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong wrong. And so this idiot 20-year-old had been in this contraption for eight hours at an event. And she couldn't breathe. She couldn't move. She couldn't... And you know what? She said, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again, but I might wear it while I'm training. I can't think of anything stupider than to put, and that's what the makers tell women to do. If you're working out, put it on, because it makes your belly area sweat more. Are you kidding me? This is absolute BS and that, and of course, Kardashians were saying, "This is just wonderful. Go for it, and wear five-inch, six-inch stiletto heels while you're in it." Women, 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 women. Why do we have to keep fighting these same battles? Mind blowing. Okay, just I saw it. I didn't know it existed. I had to um, express my outrage. Oh, what else we got here, guys? Um, okay, we did the military parade. Um, Aretha Franklin, I just want to say, um, you know, with all this stuff pouring out about her. Wow. I did not, I didn't know that she had, she had her first child when she was a child. She was 12. She was 12 years old. Unbelievable. And and then she had a second child so that by the time she was, am I getting this right, 15, she had two children. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, of all the facts that I that have come at me uh, with this, that that's the one that just blew me away. Twelve years old. Wow. I, I mean, I just uh, say I'm not a... It's unbelievable. Uh, Kathleen, oh, what I said about 
feedback on the program. I love the show the way it is. If you never mention the doofus or the non-existent Congress again, I'll be very happy. <laughs> That's from Kathleen. Uh, oh, thank you. And congratulations on the new dog. We're still feeling each other out. I mean, I'm he's not in his crate today again. I now have to keep my closets because uh, he thinks shoes are toys and he eats everything, everything. Unbelievable. But what a sweet soul. It's it's good. It's good. Uh, Kurt says about my apology, about my behavior while on camera, says, since showing one's underpants has become all the rage and fashion, you needn't feel self-conscious about tugging on your bra strap occasionally, but please do keep it under your blouse. All right, I will. I'm not going to, yeah, no problem there. Uh, what else we got, guys? Let me see. Digital Vites, John Brennan. Okay. And uh, Aaron says, I wonder how your old producers are doing. Daryl. Jeez. What did I see about Daryl recently? I swear I saw something. Daryl was way back at uh, PTT. I saw something. And he worked, uh, when he wasn't doing that, he was, uh, he worked, um, like as a referee, or not quite a referee, in wrestling. I mean, and I mean not college wrestling or something. I mean in like, you know, crazy wrestling. And I remember my son when he was young, we we traveled to heaven knows where, Beaver County, Butler County, something Daryl was involved in. And I have to tell you, that was the most fun wrestling event. And I went to the WWE too um with my kid uh that was so delightful it was wrestling at such a sort of smaller level and and i saw how entertaining it was at that point it was sweet there daryl i see i don't know the what they call all the roles that get played but uh whatever he he was not a wrestler believe me um, yeah, and, uh, Jess, Jess, I just talked to the other day via text. Um, she's in between jobs and she informed me, actually she got in touch with me to say, you know, it's the anniversary of your show Saturday. And she's the only one who has a clue when this show began. And I wrote her back and said, how many years is it? And she hasn't gotten back to me. I have not a clue how long I've been doing this, but apparently it started in um, on August 18th of, has to be at least 10 years, right? Has to. I don't know. And I don't know. And Matt, Matt is managing... Um, that uh, news news newspaper place Smithfield News on Smithfield. I had lunch with him a few years ago, but haven't since. So uh, that's as much as I can bring you up to date. I am a terrible person at uh, staying um, in touch with with people. It's always full steam ahead for me and it's not good. Um, I've been lucky in that the people in my life have, knowing that, have made an effort to keep in touch with me, which keeps me in touch with them, but I'm, I'm, I'm really good at losing um, people. And it's not good. It's not good. Um, I've got two other things here, but they're mm, they're not good news, and I'm sort of reluctant. Well, one isn't terrible. I mean, it just sort of... By the way, how do you feel? Another subject we could take up, and I don't know about this uh, growing 
uh, effort, I guess now, did I see over 4,000 people have signed a petition to take uh, Donald Wuerl's name off of uh, what used to be North Catholic High School? That's a lot of names. I mean, that's a lot of signatures. Jeez. Um, I have such, I have a, a, when it comes to rural, I have a, I have an ambivalence um, about it, uh, about what he did, because he clearly did some things right, and then he did some things not quite right. Um, but I wonder if, again, there's an issue with failing to put things in their historical context. I don't know. You're a new bishop. You're coming in. You're showing the private <laughs> little lockbox where all the all this horror is cataloged. And you see how many priests you're paying off who you're actually supporting after you threw them out, but you're somehow, they're on a stipend or something. And, and I guess he, he continued that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. We're such a bizarre culture. I mean, when it comes to protecting children, as I said earlier, with, you know, pediatrics being like, no way to make money if you've gone through law school. Anything having to do with children, it seems we really give short shrift. Uh, preschool should be universal and not cost money. Uh, you know, we're talking about the future. So children should be guaranteed a good education in this wealthy nation. And we don't do it. And and then we do silly things like, you know, not allow our children to, you know, run out the front door and, and run a block over to a friend's house because we think we're, you know, protecting them. And all we're doing is preventing them from growing into a independent person. No one ever learns anything if they don't, if they aren't allowed the freedom to make mistakes. No one. Anything I've ever learned in my life has come after failure. Never. Do, I don't think anything is learned from success. <laughs> I don't. In some ways, success might make you stupid. You learn by failing. I, I gave a high school commencement speech once where I actually stood on that stage and I told the kids, now I want you to go out there and fail. Because, and don't be afraid to. Because it's how you learn. And now we got, thinking we're caring for children, we have these like, these, you know, antiseptics, created this antiseptic safe, and yet competitive kind of childhood, uh, childhood filled with pressure to succeed and, and sparkle. And I just think we're really messed up with our children. Where'd that come from? Why did I say that? I can't remember where I started that. Um, it doesn't matter. But I, I I really do. I feel for the kids. What a world. Anyway, love a kid enough to let him go. That's what I say. Love a kid enough to give him a little freedom. Love a kid enough 
to get over your paranoia that there's a pedophile or a kidnapper behind every friggin' tree. Jeez. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I think I'm done. Uh, Got to go home and assess the damage, and uh, and I'll see you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend, truly. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.